0: Listener production. Hello, and welcome to the Footy Talk Summer Series, where what we're doing is showing you a little bit of something else that we produce here at the Listener Studios. Howie Games is Australia's number one sports podcast. It's where the biggest names in world sport go one-on-one with our own Mark Howard. To date, Howie has published over 200 episodes. And across the next few weeks in this Footy Talk podcast feed, we're going to be bringing you some of our favourite footy personalities that Howie sat down with and just a little bit of a mini taste episode of the longer form episodes that Howie has released. Today, I'm bringing you Bruce McEvoy. who spoke with Howie back in 2017. He spoke about what he used to do for work before commentating and how he got into calling. His memories of the first time that he ever called a race and his memory of calling that very, very famous Cathy Freeman race win at the Olympics.
1: Where did it all start for you? You grew up as a young bloke in Adelaide? Yeah, no, in South, yeah, for sure, in South Australia. It started for me... Well, I guess it started for me when I was very young because I was brought up in a house uh, where my parents were sport-crazy in a way, we were f- big fans, both keen sports people themselves. Not Mum was a very good netballer, Dad was a battling footballer, cricketer, <laughs> but he um, was a league golem pot for a while, actually, and, um, wearing glasses, not a good look. Um <laughs> Um, anyway, he um, <laughs> he was an investigations officer for the taxation department, so nothing but, much, nothing much was going to worry him coming over the no, over I the pickets where they. He could always go and he, check he, out there. And deal. also, he, he, he got a bit of rubbishing through his life, so he was okay. But um, so, came, as a young guy, a really young boy, um, I was um, enamoured by Bill Collins, uh, the famous race caller here in Melbourne, and you know, I wrote to him when I was about eleven, and. Uh, yeah, I always had the dream that I wanted to call the Melbourne Cup. So it sort of was the dream. Now a lot of kids have it. Um, Did he write back? Uh, yeah, just get a good education. Right. Yeah, which you know why not? Uh, that's what I would say too to anyone. Uh, and 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 don't don't give up the dream. But um, you sort of uh, so that's that was the dream, Howie. And then things happen. You get a lucky break. I got a few, and. Um, you know, I, I went from being a clerk in the um, uh, Commonwealth Government at about 22 years of age to working as a race caller on a radio station in South Australia. So that's really how it happened. Well, tell me about being a Commonwealth clerk. Oh, actually, before that, school, were you good at school? No. Uh, well, <laughs>
2: Surely you're good at the maths side. I, of was, it, I
1: was... Look, I, I, I'm good at remembering some things. I, I, um, I was either good or bad. Uh, good years and bad years. <laughs> Inconsistent. So, this, what I'm about to tell you is the absolute truth, and it's hard to get your head around it, So, I, I was top of my primary school, so I won the Ducks Award there. I went to high school. Deteriorated to the point that I failed third year and went back and did it again, and then failed fifth year, and my father refused to let me go back again. So... In between third year and fifth year, I did exceptionally well in fourth year at at high school. So that was me. So I was either turned on or turned off. So, yeah, extremes. So I, um, it's all about application, isn't it? So you, you, the old man said, that's it for school. So what did yeah, you do then? I went and got a job in the public service. So I worked in the Department of Supplies as a clerical assistant for a while. Wow, that I sounds exciting, Macca. And then I went to um, telecom. Right. And worked as a clerk. So, yeah, no, it probably wasn't what I wanted to do. What was your day-to-day role as a clerk for Telecom? Uh, doing the pays, working out the pay for uh, linesmen and technicians. Right. I, um, didn't mind the stats part of it, but... Uh, <laughs> so that was... that. Uh, when I was at the Department of Supply, my main job was to walk... Down the main street of Adelaide and collect the mail and bring it back and distribute it. Right, I was the slowest mail boy I've <laughs> ever had. Um, but so you know, it that's the way it was. And I had I did that job for four, five years. So and this is when I'm 18, about 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I guess. So were you, as a young bloke there, like so many of us do, you're in a
2: job that you don't want and there is a job you do want. Yep. How did you get from the job you didn't want to the job you did want?
1: Well, my story is, um, I guess, is uniquely mine. We're all different. But so I was a keen punter. How keen? Very. I've always was very keen. and um, Dangerously keen? Yep. Yeah. And then on a Monday, um, one Monday I took a day off work, a sickie, I guess it was, from Telecom and flew to the Kilmore Trots in Melbourne. And to punt? Yep. Probably Kilmore Cup day. It was a big day in those days. And I'm sitting next to a guy that I knew pretty well, a guy called Kevin Hillier, not the Kevin Hillier that was on radio here or the Keith Hillier who's a good friend of mine, but a guy called Kevin Hillier out of Adelaide. And he was a bloke that uh, was a keen punter but also did a bit of broadcasting. And we sat on the plane and he said to me, um, I told him that I wanted to be a caller at one stage just out of a conversation, not because I was looking for anything. And he said, come and help me at the trials. And about six months later, he talked me into it. But that was the first conversation, was going over to Killmore Trots. And about six months later, he talked me into it. So I would go out on a Sunday morning and broadcast trotting trials with him at Globe Derby Park, which is the Milton of Adelaide. Yep. And then I'd go on a Wednesday night and do the same thing. And well, I did that for a little while. And then about six months later, so about 12 months after the initial conversation, he was asked to fill in at a race meeting in South Australia, a very famous one at Oak Bank over Easter. Oh, yeah. And he said, look, I've got a young fella here who's going pretty well. Why don't you give him the opportunity? I don't want the... He said he had no ambition, really, to be a broadcaster. He was way past that. He was. Uh, it was just fun for him. Mm. So I um, did an audition, um, standing out in the public at the Gawler Trots and passed the audition, and I got this little role at the Oat Bank races... Uh, probably 1977 or 78, can never quite remember. And then um, it went from there. So for about six months in that year, it's a complicated story, but about six months in that year, I used to call one race on a Tuesday night and one on a Saturday, and then one of the broadcasters left and came to Melbourne and they offered me a full-time job. I was lucky.
2: There's a couple of things you sort of glossed over there. Um, so your first trial call, looking back, like, how were you, do you reckon?
1: Oh, shocking. <laughs> you know, very nervous. And, and when I say shocking, like I mean... really nervous? Oh, very, very, very. I remember one night at, on a Wednesday night at the trial, It was a few weeks after I'd started, um, it was a bigger night because it was like a Jim Gymkhana night this night. It was, for some reason, there were a lot of people there. And halfway through this trial, I lost my way completely. And you were sort of exposed to the audience. Mm. And they all turned around and I could, so I could see them now. It gives me a shiver, and they all turned around and looked at me because I, I was speechless and I'd completely lost my way. So, you learn those lessons, um, you have a blank spot. And uh, so, I went through that, and it toughened you up in a way and hardened you up, but it's quite frightening and it takes a while to get through it. So, you yeah, know, I, I, you know, it was, it was a baptism of fire, but I, um, it's a funny thing, I've always um, feared failure. But I've always had an innate confidence about myself. It's a strange thing. Um, I don't know, we've all got it. You must have it. Um, But mine's personal, because it's me. And I've always, even though I've realised at times I've um, uh, messed up or anything, I've always had a bit of confidence. So yeah, I I was able to work my way through all those times. But yeah, it was a good learning. I tell you what was very good for me, Howie. Those days, um, those Sunday mornings at Globe Divvy Park, so, the drivers of harness they, they drove in overalls, so there were no colors so, they all the same yeah, they' were all the same so I had to learn <laughs> I had to learn how to distinguish one from the other and you do that by just the way they sit in the bike and the way they move and then the look of a horse so it was a very good learning, a very good learning experience It's helped me. No end of you know whether it be a ten thousand metres at the Olympics when they walk out for the first time you know see them and yep. wow how do I remember these or a football match where you don't have time to look at them before the game and they first time they run straight at you and there's no number on the back yeah. so it helps so that was a good learning curve for me.
2: Kathy Freeman who has led the first episode of Series 2 of the Howie Games. I sat down with her a while ago, Maka, and I've been blown away by the reception that people have given Kathy. being Cathy. That's probably, well, again, I don't know whether you enjoyed it or not, One year, an amazing call, but probably the biggest moment in my time in Australia when Freeman won and you were there with Raylene Boyle and uh, a legend and a champion and a relief Pretty cool to get to call things like that, like the home Olympics. Yeah. Well, a
1: still, privilege, yeah,
2: a privilege. That's yeah, a perfect a, word. No, it, was a, it was a
1: privilege. Um, yeah, look at uh, just on Kathy for a start, um, and you, you know her. Um, she's such a unaffected, uh, gifted, inspiring. Beautiful person, um, Una- unaffected is the word yeah. I used in the intro. Well, because that's what she is. <laughs> yeah. She's just uh, and she did climb a mountain, as you just alluded to. You know, this incredible moment, right person, right time, home games. It was all for her, wasn't it? And yet, her whole legacy. The thing with, I mean, Kathy, the person who we touched on this and that unaffected way about her, just so modest and. Unassuming, but a beautiful girl. Um, but he, here's a woman that's been twice the world champion, basically unbeaten for f- almost four years leading into Sydney, mm. lost uh, one race in 1998 because she was injured. Perek had been beaten off, basically. Um, gets to Sydney, wins a world championship in 97-99. Got it all, but her whole legacy comes down to a, you know, 49 seconds. Um, because if she doesn't win in Sydney, everything's different. So everything she's done is worthless at that moment. So she carries a nation on her back. So, you know, those moments are rare. Th- they don't happen often. Um, Federer gets four chances a year. Yeah. Um, and so does Justin Speeth. Um, Cathy gets really one chance every four years. It's different. Um, and that's and that was her moment, and um yeah, no it was a uh, I got nervous that night Is and it? That, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a incredible day and night. It's funny because it was well into the Olympics, as you know, on a Monday, and I remember we used to do a lot of interviews every morning, and I remember that morning having a dry mouth talking about it, thinking about it, and then I got to the track and it had been an amazing night. everyone that went to that night always reflects on the Cathy's was the moment in. A night of moments. It was. it was just exceptional stuff. Um, And I was fully warmed up by the time they came out. But the minute they came out and took off their tracksuits, suddenly I tightened and felt dry in the mouth. And I really had to just just say to myself, enjoy it. You know what you're doing. And that's the only time I reckon I've ever done that in my broadcasting life. Um, Almost pause and uh, really take stock. And then it all unfolds. But... It was a privilege. I mean, to be a broadcaster in your own country, um, you know, and to see this moment where everything almost about the Sydney Olympics reflected around that minute. I mean, the games, as great as they were, wouldn't have been as great if Freeman didn't win. No. So, you know, what a responsibility. I mean, think of all the things that happened, you know, the beach volleyball, the women's water polo, Ian Thorpe, Susie O'Neill, the equestrian riders. I mean, all those incredible things that happened and the long, long list and just the joy we got out of hosting the games. And yet, this was the moment. Above all, and I don't—I say that with respect to everybody else. It's the big stadium; it was the one thing we'd craved for for four years, and it happened. And uh, you know, she delivered. And did you know it? No, not that I. No, I didn't know it. I, I, I did as well as I could. I did my best. What were you happy with? Um, I wish I'd got. I wish I'd said. What a champion, what a legend. Not, what a legend, what a champion. Because of the order of the pantheon, for want of a better term. That's it. And...
2: (laughs) Jeez, you harsh, your hutchmaker.
1: Well... That's why you are who you are. No, uh, but um, I did my best. I thought the best line out of it all was, what a relief, and that was boiling. And then talking to Cathy, and that's the thing that amazed me
2: um, about it, was she said to me the other day that she hadn't really talked about it, but her bending over, looking at the clock in that moment was disappointment because she hadn't run a time. No. Which is a perfect example of how much a perfectionist she is and obviously what you've just told me how you are. So just to get into that, which is I reckon the essence of probably why you're so good at what you do... Is that a fleeting thing for you after it, when you've thought, I would have got that the other way around, or is that something that sat with you for a while and you've played it over in your head? I don't still mean now, I mean at the time.
1: Um, It's interesting, because I I very rarely listen to anything back, but with the Freeman race, I was forced to listen to it back. You couldn't not? Because I I did something for Channel 7 uh, before the... um, uh, Rio games where I reenacted it right. in a live situation. I, I heard the race a number of times um, and it reminded me. And look, um, it's not something that bothers me, to be honest. I mean, but you asked me, yeah. was it a, you know, did I nail it? Yeah. And would you take anything back? It doesn't bother me because I quite like the challenge of trying to be better, you know. But so it's not something I've worried about too much. But it's something I've acknowledged for myself. And, <laughs> and with with Freeman was interesting because I've had this discussion with her about the time. It was a fast race. I mean, she ran 48.6, four years earlier um, when she ran second to Perec and she ran 49 one in Sydney. But she wasn't quite the same athlete in Sydney. Uh, she'd had injuries. Mm. She was more mature, uh, less athletic in a sense, just as great a competitor. But probably not at the height of her powers. Probably at the height of her powers was around that 96, 97 uh, period. But, and she also um, went through a, f- a lot of changes between 96 and 2000. It was a fast race. 49 ones a fast race. Mm. Um, but, yeah, she's a perfectionist in her. Um, and uh, I understand where she's coming from.
0: So that's just a small 15, 20-minute taster of the longer one-hour, 17-minute podcast that Howie recorded with Bruce McAvaney. If you want to hear the full chat, you'll listen to Bruce speak about how he works with other commentators his health journey and his struggle with gambling. If you want to listen to it, the link is in the description here. And make sure you go and search the Howie Games in Apple, Spotify or the Listener app where you can hear the hundreds of episodes that Howie's recorded with some of the world's best sports stars. Listener.